Well, the Stanley Cup Finals matchup is set, and the Nashville Predators, uh, they're, they're not in it. But there are some lessons that the Nashville Predators can take away from the two teams currently fighting for the Stanley Cup, Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll talk about what those are and why it's not as simple as just sucking for a few years, gathering draft picks, and reaping the rewards. There is a lot of work that went into where the Colorado Avalanche and Tampa Bay Lightning are today. All coming up today on the Locked On Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com. Normally, I have a partner in crime, but Ann Kimmel has the day off. Uh, before we get started too far into this, want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting stats and info. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, Stanley Cup Finals matchup is set, and it's pretty much the two uh, teams we kind of thought would be there at the end of the road to the Stanley Cup Finals. We have the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche, in a lot of people's minds, the best team in the NHL from start to finish this year. I mean, they really seem to have the West one from January on. Uh, I know the, the Florida Panthers were kind of in that discussion too. They won the President's Trophy, but it really seemed like the Avalanche were the ones that had the stranglehold on the conversation. A lot of people thought they were the most complete team. Uh, a lot of people thought, you know, this was their year. This was the year that they're the dynamo. Nobody in the league can match their firepower. Except on the other side, the Eastern Conference, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who don't need an introduction because they've been here uh, now for three years in a row. They have won the Stanley Cup the previous two years, trying to become the first team since the Islanders dynasty of the early 1980s to win three Stanley Cups in a row. And they have proven this postseason that, hey, they're in this. They are also one of the best teams, not just this year in the NHL. This is one of the best built franchises of all time, and they have a chance to prove it. Uh, going in to the uh, the playoffs, I was kind of looking at the side, and as the game started kind of going on, you know, I thought, and I think Anna and I talked about this. I said, "There's one team I think that has the entire package that can slow the Colorado Avalanche down, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning." Now, the Lightning, even though history is on their side with back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. They still have to prove it, guys, because Colorado is legit. We have seen them make so many pretty good teams, yeah, including the Nashville Predators, look absolutely foolish this postseason. I mean, Edmonton Oilers, I mean, you look at what they did to them. Like, they had the one of the most dynamic offenses 
in NHL history with Connor McDavid, who's having an interesting 24 hours, uh, and Leon Dreisaitl, you know, Evander Kane having his kind of resurgence, Zach Hyman, this dynamic offense who is just winning games like the Kansas City Chiefs way of just outscoring everybody. Defense be damned. And Colorado came out and adapted their game and not only beat Edmonton, but actually beat Edmonton in the same way that the Oilers had been beating other teams this postseason. You know, Avalanche were, you know, you kind of hear that old sort of saying, it's like, oh, you kind of want to force the other team to play your style of game. Uh, And the Avalanche, you know, it said, we're so good that we are going to indulge the other team. We are going to play the style of hockey they want to play, but we're going to do it better than them. That's how much swagger the Avalanche had this season. You know, they went out to the St. Louis Blues, who are this, you know, defensive juggernaut. Nothing gets out past them. And they wound up playing a physical shutdown game, just like the Blues did. You know, go back to our series against the Nashville Predators. Hey, Nashville has a scrappy team with a lot of speed, excellent forechecking, almost a suffocating sort of forecheck that forces the other team to make a lot of mistakes. And then the Predators capitalize on those mistakes. I mean, that's that's what Colorado did to Nashville. I mean, the Preds just couldn't get the puck out of their own zone because that same sort of relentless pressure we've seen the Preds put on other teams this year, the Avs did that. So that is why I'm absolutely excited uh, to see the Stanley Cup finals this year because I think these are, you know, the two biggest juggernauts in the league this season going head to head. And this is, yeah, I mean, we, we've said it before. Like, if the NHL wanted to guarantee, you know, a home run matchup for the Stanley Cup Finals this year, this is the two teams they would have handpicked. I'll tell you what, ESPN, you know, TNT, the, the two uh, networks that have, you know, the rights to the Stanley Cup Finals, boy, they could not have asked for a better year one. And I know ESPN's got the uh, the rights this year. TNT will have them down the road, but this is great. Like this is exactly what you want when you're going into a new TV deal. You know, you want the most intriguing matchup on your networks, and that's what we have this year. I mean, are the Colorado Avalanche the knight in shining armor that is going to slay the dragon in the terms of the Tampa Bay Lightning, or you know? Are they the, you know, is Colorado, you know, the the Rocky Balboa that's going to go up to the Apollo Creed of the Tampa Bay Lightning and be, you know, the full package that finally is able to break up the dynasty? You know, I think a lot of people have kind of compared this to, I'm not sure, you know, how much validity there is to this, and I'll let you guys kind of decide, but, you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of compare this to, those Stanley cup finals matchups in 83, 84, it was Gretzky and the Oilers, you know, they were the up and coming team uh, taking on the New York Islanders who were the dynasty at the time. Um, And yeah, you know, the first year they smacked down and then the next year is when the Oilers jumped in and, and kind of took control of the reins and the Oilers kind of became the dynasty, you know, from the early eighties to the late, you know, early nineties. 
So I've seen a lot of comparisons to that. Again, not quite sure yet if that is going to sort of be the comparison moving forward. I think there is a lot left to do until we get to that point. But this is this is fun. This is one of those matchups where, you know, if you like hockey, if you're hoping to see the two best teams play each other, and if you're just looking to be entertained, look no further than this series. Uh, we may have some official predictions coming up later this year when Ann gets back, or later this week, I should say. Uh, the game one is Wednesday. We'll probably go in a little bit more in depth, but for now, I kind of want to talk about the Nashville Predators connection to these two teams because we know the Predators are in an interesting spot. Uh, they're sort of treading water, so to speak. Uh, they're not quite good enough to be contenders, but they're not quite bad enough to tear it all down yet. So as they're moving forward, as they're building a roster, as David Poyle is trying to get back to being a contender, can he look at these two teams playing for the Stanley Cups, Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche, look at how they're built, look at how they got here and take lessons away. Like, what can you learn from these two teams that is going to help your team? And there is a lot of crossover that I think Preds fans uh, will uh, recognize and utilize. So that is going to be an interesting conversation. And I want to get into the reasons why in just a second. But first, I want to mention today's show brought to you by Athletic Greens. I use their project or product AG1 every day. I started out just because they sent me a uh, free can of it. I was very skeptical, started taking it every day just for giggles, just so I can, you know, see how the product works. And I do not regret it for one minute. I feel full. I feel light. Uh, I don't have those 2 p.m. crashes where I'm just absolutely dreaming of a nap in bed. And I use that for AG1. AG1 has uh, definitely helped me. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, focus, recovery, aging, pretty much uh, everything. Like I said, I feel so much better after I've started taking it. Uh, a lot of people are concerned about price. You know, I get it, you know, tight budget, all that good stuff, but break it down like this. It costs you less than $3 a day. That's AG1's cost, less than $3 a day, which is cheaper than the daily Starbucks run you probably make for you and your work staff. And it's cheaper than getting all the different vitamins, minerals, supplements yourself. So think of it this way. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. It's your health. It's your body. You only get one body. You only get one life. So you might as well take care of it. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So Tampa Bay Lightning, Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup finals. Those are, if you listen to Preds fans who are kind of pitching for a rebuild, 
the two teams that, you know, people making that argument bring up the most and, you know, hard to blame Colorado avalanche look like one of the best all around teams we've seen in the NHL in quite some time, Tampa Bay lightning, maybe four wins away from their first, uh, the first three Pete in almost 40 years in NHL play in over 40 years, I should say. So what can the Nashville predators learn from the way two teams were built? And let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is this kind of notion that you have to, you know, tear it all down, rebuild, just hope and pray that you get a couple of top, you know, top three picks, some lottery picks. Um, Let's be honest. That helped. Tampa Bay got Stamkos one and Hedman two. Colorado got McKinnon one, Landis Cog two. But it's not just enough to stockpile, you know, top three picks, including, you know, NHL lottery is very, very hard to win. Harder now to win than it was, you know, probably back in the, you know, 2015 to, you know, 2020 era. And even then, we've seen some of the worst teams never win the draft lottery. A lot of people forget Colorado Avalanche were one of the worst teams in NHL history, and they didn't even get a top three pick that year. They got pushed out of the lottery. But Here's where the difference is. Here's what separates those two teams from the likes of the Buffalo Sabres or even the Edmonton Oilers who had three straight number one picks before Connor McDavid even came into the picture. It's not where you draft. It's how you draft. Drafting well is the key. Now, let's be honest. If you get a top three pick, that's pretty easy for you. You know who the best player in the draft is, and you probably know who that next, you know, sub-tier of players are. You know, there's probably, you know, every draft year, you know, maybe the top three is usually set in stone, um, at least the top two. Maybe there's like some movement between three, four, five, depending on what your needs are long-term. Where it gets after that, That is where you need your scouting department and you need your development system to start hitting home runs. Now, here's the thing. You know, a lot of people talk about where the Preds have drafted and their complaint is, oh, we're not, you know, we're not bad enough to win the lottery and get some game changing talent. But that's where a lot of these teams are built. It's not necessarily just like the one, two, three pick, even, you know, a top five pick. Yeah, you know, Colorado's got a bunch of those on the roster. You know, Tampa Bay's got Stamkos and Hedman. But what do you do when you start getting better and you're no longer bad enough to get those top, you know, top five picks, but you're not quite good enough to get into the playoff picture? That's where the rest of the draft comes in handy. And we've talked about this before. You know, Tampa Bay is a great example of this. Andre Vasilevsky, 19th overall. A lot of teams could have had them. Tampa Bay went out and got him. Nikita Kucherov, 58th overall. You know, in his draft year, the Preds could have gotten him. You know, Tampa Bay went out and got him. They recognized him as a potentially elite talent that they could get in the second round. Braden Point, 79th overall. Anthony Sorelli was also in the 70s. These are all players that you don't need to tank to get. You have to identify where they are. You have to know how you're going to use them, and you have to know how you develop them. I think a really good example of this this year, when you talk about uh, you know the um, 
you know, the lightning getting Brandon Hagel at the trade deadline, a lot of people saw them give up two first round picks to get him, And a lot of people were going, what? Like, are you kind of overthinking this Julian Brisebois? Um, and uh, then, you know, a lot of people put it in perspective. It's like, you know what? They trust this draft. You know, they trust their scouting department so much that it doesn't, you know, they thought, you know, drafting 29, 30, 31 was not going to be any less of a chance to find a difference maker than the two third round picks they got back from Chicago, which would have been, hey, you know, you know, 60, 70, you know, that sort of range. They trust their scouting department enough to go out and find playmakers in all parts of the draft. Drafting has not been very kind to the Nashville Predators this year. Well, I guess this decade rather than this year. You know, you have a couple of drafts here and there where you're able to pull out some stars. Like obviously 20, 2009, that was a big one. You know, 2003 is one of the most heralded drafts in Nashville Predators history. But then you go through the rest of the years and there's a lot of, you know, first round picks who, you know, turn into pretty decent players, followed by second round picks that you forgot the Predators even had. Um, maybe a couple of, you know, key players come out of the, you know, third, fourth, fifth rounds. You know, every once in a while you'll hit on a seventh round guy um, or a late round pick, Pecorine, obviously. Uh, but the Predators haven't done a great job of finding consistent value in those middle rounds. You know, obviously there's some exceptions. Alexander Carrier is somebody who has developed and has done fantastic this year. But to me, what separates the Lightning from a team like the Predators is the Lightning can see a player and not necessarily just see like his potential. Like, you know, when you draft a player like, oh, you know, this is what he can become. The Lightning to me, they look at a player sort of in those middle rounds of the draft, you know, the second, you know, late second, third, fourth rounds, and they don't look at them maybe by ceiling. They look at them and it's like, okay, if this player develops the way we want him to, how can we use him? And that to me is why the Lightning's draft, you know, like why, why their roster is littered with all these players who are coming out of, you know, the third and fourth rounds. You know, some of them, like Kucherov has developed into a star, obviously. But, you know, you have just other players like Alex Kalorn out there, um, you know, Ross Colton, you know, some of these players, you know, Yanni Gord, who was a big part of their team uh, before going to Seattle was undrafted. Uh, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson was undrafted. Lightning went out and got him. Um, you know, Cedric Paquette was a late round pick who obviously had a couple of very, very big years for them, was instrumental in building that team. So that to me is a big difference that the Nashville Predators have to start utilizing. You know, if they want to be up in the echelon of Tampa Bay and Colorado, they have got to rethink how they're drafting players. Now, uh, another big key, and here's where I think Colorado is a good example, is bringing in the right support. Because, hey, you know, we've seen a lot of teams have a lot of good draft picks stockpile and not live up to the billing of Colorado and Tampa Bay. To an extent, even Colorado for a while fell into this category. Obviously, hey, they got Matt Duchesne uh, with the third overall pick. A couple of years later, they got Landis Cog with the second overall pick 
And uh, other than, you know, one or two sporadic playoff appearances, they were still pretty bad. Hey, you know, even the year where they went out, uh, their Cal McCarr year, which I think was 2017, uh, and they absolutely uh, nearly set the record for for worst NHL season of all time. Uh, Yeah, Nathan McKinnon was on that team. So, you know, it's not just the fact that you're kind of going out and getting all these stock plows. They need support. You need to build a core around them. That's what separates Colorado this year from somebody like Toronto, who has an unbelievable core. Edmonton, who may have the best hockey player of our generation on their team. That's what separates Colorado is they have gone out and they have gotten support. Nazem Kadri, one of, you know, the best kind of player trades of all time. I and mean, you think he was an absolute missing piece for the middle of that team. Like he's the guy that goes out there, does a lot of sort of the gritty work. You know, he, he's the second line guy who goes out there and, you know, just goes out there to win a key face off, or he's the guy that's sort of the two way guy can do penalties. If you need a strong four check, he's the guy you put out there, you know, they went out and got Andre Burakovsky. You know, that's another guy who has been, under the radar this year for the Colorado Avalanche, just because they have so many superstars on their team that you don't hear a lot about Andre Burakovsky going out and getting 61 points this year. Devontae's dear God, man, like that was sort of a underreported trade when it happened. You know, he was sort of, you know, a, a fourth pair guy for the New York Islanders, you know, was very reliable for them. But when he got traded to the Colorado Avalanche, that still didn't make a lot of noise. You know, it was just like, okay, Avalanche are giving up a couple of draft picks to get a, uh, um, you know, a what? Like, you know, another top four defenseman, you know, maybe help out Kale McCarr. Devontae's at times has looked like if it, if it wasn't for Kale McCarr, the best defenseman, like playing in the playoffs. I mean, he does it all. Like he can score, he can move the puck but he plays amazing shutdown defense. And, you know, we kind of talked about this in jest just because his name was coming up over Roman Yossi's and we have opinions about that, but Devontae's, you know, there's been people putting him in the, uh, the Norris conversation. I would say you could absolutely justify that because he plays such a good, complete game, but that's the other, like he was brought for a couple of draft picks over from the New York Islanders. The Colorado Avalanche went out and got somebody to support the core they have. Now, David Poyle, take note of this because you're coming up in a time in which you think you have a pretty good core, and you do. You have Matt Duchesne, who had an 80-point season. You had Roman Yossi, who is probably going to win the Norse this season. Uh, it doesn't matter if you think he should or not. It sounds like he probably is going to. You have UC Soros, who is becoming one of the best young goaltenders in the league. Um, you have good core pieces. Where you're lacking, David Poyle, is the support. You need players that not only are just good players, but you need players that play well with the people you have. And I think that was sort of what got the Predators kind of into this purgatory if you don't know which direction you're going to begin with is because some of the moves you make, you know, you went out and got Kyle Turris, you know, kind of without thinking how he was going to fit in with the team. You saw that, you know, kind of some of the trade deadlines, you bring in Mikhail Granlund, 
uh, for Kevin Fiala, you know, you started trading for, you know, Wayne Simmons, Brian Boyle, you know, you kind of bring in these guys and it just kind of became like a mismatch of, Oh, you're the third best left wing on the team. Well, then you go on the third line without really, you know, sort of any thought into how do we want them to play? You know, in a perfect world, how is, you know, Ryan Hartman helping Philip Forsberg on that other wing? You know, how is he opening space for somebody like Ryan Johansson? You know, that to me, you know, I think there's a lot of mindfulness that goes in to bringing in some of these complementary players. And that is something that we've seen from Colorado you know, with the guys they've gone out and gotten out, guys like Devontae's, guys like Andre Burakovsky, guys like Nazem Kadri, they have gotten them out and they have gone all in on getting them because they know how they are going to fit into their vision of the team. That's something I think the Nashville Predators have kind of been lacking when they've made some of the trades. And Tim Bay obviously has done it too. I mean, after they got embarrassed by the Columbus Blue Jackets, what did they go all in on at the next trade deadline? They went all in to get Blake Coleman. They went all in to get Barkley Goodrow. And yeah, a lot of people are going to say like, whoa, you oh, definitely overpaid for those two. But look, I mean, they did the job the Lightning needed them to. And the Lightning got two Stanley Cups over it. So I think, you know, if you see a guy that you like, that you think is going to kind of be a difference maker for your team, don't worry about what it costs. Like, don't worry about, you know, having to sacrifice, you know, draft picks for some guy who may or may not work out. If you see a guy, you know exactly how he's going to play and you know exactly the kind of impact he's going to have on your team. Do it. Go out and make that deal, David Boyle. If you're serious, just look to what Tampa Bay did to get two Stanley Cups. Look at what Colorado has done to put them over the top this year. Be aggressive. If there's a guy out there you like, be aggressive. You cannot be wishy-washy. You have to be aggressive to get the guys you want in this league. One more big thing that I think that Predators can learn from the Avalanche and the Lightning, something I think the fans could probably learn also. But before I get into that, I want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at betonline.net. That's your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. At betonline.net, you can find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including everything you need to know about this year's Stanley Cup Finals. We also got plenty of info on the NBA Championship, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, plenty of new prop bets in time for the Stanley Cup Finals, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. There's one other thing that I think is key that the Nashville Predators need to learn. And that is patience. Patience is a virtue, guys. That is something I think the fans in particular need to kind of look towards these two teams because let's face it Colorado Avalanche have been rebuilding probably since the first lockout 
you know, when, when 2006 started, they, they made the playoffs, got to the second round. And then after that, it was just kind of a sporadic thing of, Hey, sometimes we're good enough to get in and, you know, lose on the first or second round. And sometimes, you know, we're nowhere's close. There was a lot of that bouncing around. There's going to be times where you have to settle for the fact that you're going to kind of be in this ping ponging level of mediocrity. We saw it with Tampa Bay, like Tampa Bay, after they won the Stanley cup, basically had to rebuild their team close to from scratch after that 2004 lockout, you know, they, they kept, uh, you know, LeCavier, they kept Martin St. Louis, but after that, you know, a lot of turnover and a lot of new faces. Um, and again, you know, they kind of went through a few years where, you know, some of the old guard was sticking around, uh, while the new guard where there's, you know, still trying to develop newer players, uh, and as a result, it was a lot of kind of where the Preds are now, a lot of ping ponging. Hey, sometimes we're good enough to, you know, go on a hot run and somehow get to one game away from a Stanley Cup finals in 2011, uh, where you had no business doing that. And then other times, yeah, the Lightning were absolutely nowhere's close to playoff contention. When I see people talk about rebuilds, they talk about it in a straight line. And when, because I know a lot of people have come out and said, I'm anti-rebuild that, you know, I'm one of those people that wants to stay the course or whatever. And I'm not anti-rebuild. I am just going in with sort of a warning that be careful what you wish for. Know what you're signing up for. There are, you know, Look how long it took Colorado to get back to this point. Look how long it took Tampa Bay to even get back in the conversation of not just getting into be a Stanley Cup finals, like even getting back into the playoffs. It took them a while. There was no straight line. And to me, that's sort of my issue with how people talk about rebuilds nowadays. You know, when you see things, you know, you're saying it's like, oh, you know, Colorado was bad for a while. And then they suck and they got back and, you know, look, they drafted Nathan McKinnon. They drafted Gabriel Landeskog and look at him now, you know, it paid off for them. Yeah. But that is undercutting a lot of the work and a lot of the time they took and glosses over a lot of their misses. Hey, does anybody remember Duncan Siemens? No. Yeah. Probably for good reason. Uh, you know, does Tampa Bay, how many people talk about Brett Connolly or Salida Cuckoo? You know, are they big pieces of this uh, this Stanley Cup dynasty? No, there is a lot of stuff people gloss over when they talk about how simple that is. And again, there's a lot of straight line. There's a lot of times you think you're close. Remember when Patrick Waugh came into the picture for uh, Colorado and, you know, they got back and I think they lost to the Wild in seven games. And, you know, they had Matt Duchesne, they had Gabriel Landeskog, they had a couple of, you know, younger pieces on the blue line, like Tyson Berry, remember him. Um, and a lot of people thought, yeah, this is it. We, we've got it. We've got it. And then, you know, they sort of went back the other way. You know, things didn't work out for a lot of players. They couldn't keep that team together. A lot of people kind of gloss over that thing. So there was no straight line for the Colorado Avalanche, just like there was no straight line for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They went up. They looked like they had a core. They had to kind of maybe break off a few pieces of that core and go back. It is an up and down process. And it took the Tampa Bay Lightning 
Um, you know, if they made the Stanley Cup in, in 2004, you know, it took them back till 2015 before they had a team that was like, okay, this team is good enough to compete. Colorado Avalanche, I mean, look, this is like their best team they've put together since the 2004 lockout. It takes time. And you have to realize what you're getting yourself into if you're calling for a full rebuild. Uh, a lot, that patience thing can also be applied to some of the players. You know, some players may not develop into the player you think they're going to develop. In other cases, you know, a player might need more time than some of the other people in the league. I mean, we've seen rookies come in, you know, guys like, you know, Trevor Zegras, Mort Sider come in the league and, you know, basically be exactly what everybody thought they were going to be right off the bat. You know, we've seen that with a lot of players. Take Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon was a guy that for his first couple of years was a really good player, but not a game changer. I mean, you go through some of the stats, you know, they're, they're fit, you know, 50, 60 point seasons when Colorado was, was kind of bad. Um, you know, the, those few years he had one season uh, where, you know, he only finished with um, 37 points or I'm sorry, 53 points, 37 assists, you know, definitely not like what you would expect a first rounder to be. And I remember a lot of people uh, in Colorado and kind of around the league were talking about McKinnon as kind of a, well, you know, did we overestimate what he was going to be? Is he always going to kind of be this, you know, solid, but not a game changing player. And then look what happened in, you know, 2018, when Jared Bednar came into the picture, he found a different gear. And every year since then, Nathan McKinnon has been one of the best players in the league. And all it took was a, a change of coach and b some patience, let him figure things out, let him grow. Sometimes I think, you know, when Nashville Predators talk about, you know, some of their high draft picks, we look at somebody like Ellie Tolvanen, uh, a lot of people thought Ellie Tolvanen was a bust, you know, his first three years uh, because he wasn't that sort of 80 point score right off the bat. He was in Milwaukee, needed more time to grow. Uh, I mean, we can have a different opinion of him now after the last season, but, you know, the same thing with, you know, Dante Fabro. There's kind of this conversation where it's, you know, if you're not, I guess instant gratification would kind of be the best adjective for it or you know, I don't know what the technical grammar term is called. You guys figure it out. But this sort of instant gratification thing where if it's it's you're not taking the steps you need to every year, uh, you know, if you're not, if there's not a straight line or if you're not the player you think you're going to become right off the bat, you know, you kind of get bored. You kind of say, okay, well, they're not a big part of our future. Maybe they wind up going on the trade block, something like that. Something we've heard rumors about maybe happening to Tolvanen this year. There's got to be some patience in some of these players, you know, and if you're really committed to, you know, taking a big step forward and rebuilding this team, refreshing the roster, then you've got to give players a longer leash to grow, which is that's something the Avalanche did to Nathan McKinnon and he paid off, uh, you know, the first couple of years of Victor Hedman were very rough in Tampa Bay and look at him now he's figured it out and kind of became a dynamic player, you know, after a few years. 
So that's the thing is you need patience, not just in the timeline of your team's rebuild, but some of these players as well. And that is a big mistake I think a lot of teams around the NHL make. I mean, just look at the trade rumors right now. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks have Kirby Doc on their market, who should be the center of a rebuild. Same with Alex Dabrinkit. You know, just because, you know, you're rebuilding, you know, take a look at some of these players and give them room to grow. Maybe put them in uncomfortable situations that force them to have to reevaluate their game. That's what Tampa did to a lot of their players. That's what Colorado did to a lot of their players. And look at them now. We have two of the most complete teams in the NHL going head-to-head for the Stanley Cups. And it was a long road. For the fans, I'm sure it was a very painful road. But it's one that pays off. So, again, to Preds fans out there, I am not anti-rebuild. Just know it's not going to be a easy road there are not going to be any quick fixes if you want to emulate what the avalanche and what the lightning have done so that's kind of my spiel for today uh again i kind of want to hear your thoughts do you think the predators can take lessons from the lightning and avalanche other than just tanking other than just being bad and hoping you rack up some lottery picks what's something i miss what is something that stands out with one of these te- with you know one or both of these teams that you think absolutely goes into being a great contender. Let me know in the comments below. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore NS Morgan. If you're on the, uh, well, you know, if you're on the web, <laughs> look for my, it's been a long weekend guys. Look for my work at on the Uh Also be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at L O underscore predators. If you're watching this video on YouTube, be sure to like share, subscribe again, let us know your thoughts. That's going to do it for us today on the lockdown predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We will be back tomorrow with more hockey talk. We'll see you then everybody. Cheers.